Welcome to the Sports with Social Impact podcast, the podcast that explores all the ways the sport can put purpose at the center of what they do to have the maximum impact. This month, we speak to Jesse Lovejoy, who is the director of the San Francisco 49ers Museum and the 49ers EDU program. We discuss how sport can be used to help deliver quality education for young people in science, technology, engineering, arts, and math, more commonly referred to as STEAM. While spearheading the 2014 launch of the museum, Lovejoy concurrently led the 49ers into a domain where no professional sport organization had ventured before. A comprehensive STEAM education program for students in grades kindergarten to eight, which was completely free to the end user. In 2017, as inbound interest in the 49ers STEAM efforts continued to rise, Lovejoy formed and launched the EDU Academy, a consulting arm which helps organize, envision, build, and launch education programs. Hearing Jesse speak so passionately about how sport can be tangibly used to teach these often difficult subjects to students was very inspirational, and I hope you take something away that can help you implement education through sport programs. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Sports for Social Impact podcast. I'm your host, David Thibodeau. And this month, we're talking to Jesse Lovejoy, who is the director of the San Francisco 49ers Museum and the 49ers EDU program. Uh, he, I was actually featured on the Sports and Social Impact uh, website about a year ago, talking about this exact same subject, sports and education. And so I'm, I'm really excited to have him on to discuss more in depth and, and, and learn more about the program that he has going on. Um, Jesse, thank you so much for being with me today. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, could you start off by telling us a bit about yourself? Of course, yeah. Thank you, David, for having me. It's a, it's a great pleasure. I'm, I've been following the work you're doing, and, and I applaud it. Um, I am the director of 49ers EDU and the 49ers Museum. The latter is probably a little easier to understand. The 49ers Museum is a 20,000-square-foot uh, facility inside of Levi Stadium, which is the home of the San Francisco 49ers. Um, it has been in existence since 2014. It celebrates the past, present, and future of the organization in a bunch of really cool museum-type ways. Uh, for anybody curious to, to check it out more, we just launched a virtual tour, so you can go to 49ers.com and, and find that. Uh, I think the majority of our discussion today will probably focus, though, on the 49ers EDU program, which I also oversee. Uh, and which has been in existence also since 2014. And at its highest level, its, its goal is to use the game of football and uh, the Levi Stadium as a way to engage young people in STEAM learning. And just at the risk of the, the STEAM acronym not being understood by your audience, it's science, technology, engineering, art, and math. And, you know, we interpret those things through the lens of playing the game and being inside the stadium. So that's my role. I've been with the team for about nine years now uh, and been working to, uh, you know, take the work of the combination of sports and STEAM global for, you know, five or six years now. And I've had a lot of success doing that. Yes. So my understanding is that this is uh, the first program of this kind. Correct. Yeah. So when you think about the work that we do and you compare it to what you'll see all around the world in terms of how sports teams and organizations and leagues and 
nonprofits and brands support education, what you primarily usually see is a uh, an indirect uh, program, meaning um, a sports team is perhaps sponsoring a program through another nonprofit or hosting an event or doing something that might be a little bit more one-off in nature. Whereas um, Dr. John York, Denise DeBartolo York, Jed York, uh, our CEO, uh, back in 2012 committed to actually building a department of full-time employees within the 49ers organization that do nothing um, other than look at different ways to engage young people 365 days a year. Uh, so we, we were, and to my understanding, still are, the first sports organization that provides direct service education in this way. Meaning, you know, we, we run a field trip program at a Levi Stadium with our staff um, in a non-COVID year um, every yeah. single day. Um, we, those folks that I told you about that are on my team um, are full-time 49ers employees um, with, with the sole purpose of delivering STEAM learning experiences to the community. And that is what makes us unique from a lot of what you may see uh, around the world in, in this sphere. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, super innovative, I, I think, because, you know, I think most commonly the conversation of, you know, sport, how sport contributes to quality education is that, you know, if, if young students, uh, young people participate in sports, it helps them concentrate in schools, it helps them re retain information better. So, you know, this program is, you know, using sport right in the actual content, um, from my understanding. So, you know, you've already started doing this bit, but could you tell us more about the the 49ers EDU and the EDU Academy? Sure. Um, and I like that I heard kind of in your question, the language of the UN SDGs, which I appreciate um, because it's certainly something that's on our mind a lot um, as we look at how to align our work with others around the world who are doing similar things. But yeah, I mean, to, to break it down to some examples, which may help to articulate how we do our work to your, your listeners. Um, you know, we wrote a, a curriculum um, and have iterated on it, you know, and ever since um, that is aligned to uh, state standards, uh, which is very important in terms of ensuring that educators and students get the most out of it. But it really does take the things that make playing the game, watching the game, experiencing the game, the business of the game, takes those concepts and make them accessible and relatable for young people. So as an example, uh, Levi Stadium was one of the first uh, venues to open LEED Gold certified. Venues of its type, in 2014 anyway. It's very common now. Um, and so what we did is build in a whole track of our curriculum around environmental sustainability and consciousness. So we have lessons on solar energy and how PV cells work and how we capture energy, how we distribute it around the building, how we work with the electrical grid in the city and county of Santa Clara to, to put energy in and take energy out. Um, we, we have lessons on um, everything from how, you, how the recycling system works within uh, Levi Stadium um, to you know, how um, we think about uh, defraying and heat island effect and how we just all the different things that the building um, took into consideration in terms of trying to be environmentally conscious. Um, we have lessons on the physics of throwing and kicking a football. 
and how the forces that are in play on on the footballs or in any in any you know thrown or kicked item in any sport are the very same ones that are at play um, when people are moving the bodies, when airplanes are flying, when things like that are happening. So um, what we're trying to do is use the game of sport. As you mentioned, it has an ability to to do certain things with young people around focus and, and teamwork and team building. Um, but it also is just a concept that they know. And so if we can use a concept that they know and something in which they are inherently interested as a platform to teach them, that's generally the approach that we have. And the only difference between us and those programs that you mentioned that, that might focus more on the physical side of things is that we're just trying to engage them more academically than we are physically. Yeah, that, that's great. I think you know, that really speaks to why we should use sport as the vessel for quality education, because it does con connect young people or you know, any people to the subject matter. It makes it more tangible, it makes it more understandable, and it makes them, I think, I think people, you know, they, they connect with things that they know better. If someone, you know, young people watch uh, football, soccer, hockey, you know, whatever sport, and it makes them a lot more interested in it as well, I think. Um, so w what sorts of specific activities do you, do you usually do with students? Or what are the goals and desired outcomes uh, for each student coming in and out of this program? Yeah, so I'll speak in a non-COVID year first, and then we can talk a little bit about what we've done over the course of the past 15 months. So um, the way the program would traditionally work, and, and I'll just speak mainly about our field trip program right now, because it is kind of the flagship of all the work that we do, although we have since developed a number of other programs, including a teacher training program, uh, a, a, an annual grant program, a series of special events. But for the purposes of this discussion, I'll focus on the field trip program and its associated curriculum. So normally what you would have is between 300 to 400 kindergarten to eighth graders every single day coming to Levi Stadium for a five hour field trip. During those five hours, they would complete four different um, hour long rotations. Think of that as kind of like a different activities. One of those things would be a tour of Levi Stadium one would be a tour of the 49ers Museum. One would be what we call our movement lab, which is kind of like our version of physical education with a, a light science and math overlay. And the most important uh, thing they would do that day is an hour long lesson in one of the four classrooms we have constructed inside Levi Stadium with the help of our longtime partner, Chevron, who's been there from the beginning to support our work. And you know, that is the, the that lesson piece is the most important thing that they will do because it will inform a lot of the other elements of their day. So to give you another example, because it might help bring things together a little bit. Let's say we have a fourth grade class and their teacher in looking at our curriculum kind of catalog chooses a lesson on structural engineering, let's say, um, which is something that we teach about. So they'll come into the, the classroom they'll be introduced to that concept, right? Um, what is engineering? What is structural engineering? What are some of the most just baseline fundamental principles of how to build buildings? And then they will be asked to come up with um, a, a blueprint to design their own version of Levi Stadium using a series of materials that are in the classroom. They will be instructed and informed kind of what a load bearing structure needs to be 
in terms of how it works, and again, in a very general sense, then they would actually build uh, a stadium right there in one of our classrooms. They would test it to see if it can bear a load, and then they would iterate on it if it couldn't, or if it could, to try and see if they can make it better. Um, so then what, what would happen as they toured the stadium, they, we would be reinforcing some of the concepts that they learned in the classroom. So we might take them to one of the bridges that spans one of the creeks on the side of a stadium and talk about how bridges are constructed. Or we might stop at any number of the big open air plazas and show them kind of what some of the, uh, the, some of the, the geometric shapes that are in play in, in constructing the stability around those venues. So that is one example of exactly what you would have with all of our lessons. So independent of whatever it is that you decided to learn about as an instructor, you know, geometry, primary colors, <laughs> you know, the engineering <laughs> design process, um, we would find a way to weave that into the day of the students as they went through the other pieces as much as possible. And each lesson, it's very important to, to state this, each lesson has its own learning objectives, its own activities, its own, you know, kind of what I would call front load content. So we're going to tell a different story when kids sit down, if they choose a lesson about, you know, you know, environmental sustainability versus math, they'll hear a different introduction. Uh, but each one has a prescribed goal as far as what we're trying to teach kids. And each one has a different mechanism to kind of measure against that goal. So, uh, you know, all, all this sounds like so much fun. <laughs> I, I think that any student going into this program would come out of it having learned so much and just, you know, have, would have had, you know, a really fun day <laughs> doing all this, these activities. Um, but you may have already mentioned this, um, but how do you make it accessible for people? Because, you know, people might think that this program with, the, with an NFL team, that it would cost a lot. Um, how do you make it accessible for, uh, for, for, for students and, and teachers and yeah, and I, I had not mentioned this, but thank you for asking this question. So the one of the main reasons why we're so lucky to work for the York family and to have partners like Chevron is that we've been allowed to make every single thing that we've ever done in the eight years this program has existed has been completely free um, and will continue to be in perpetuity. So there's no cost for any of it. Um, and we have subsidized transportation um, for schools that request it and have a particular need for it um, at a very high level for years and years and years. So that's the main way to make it accessible is don't charge anything um, and pay for people to come and visit you. Those are the two biggest roadblocks to schools attending. Uh, that's a decent segue into something I forgot to talk about <laughs> talking about the last question, which is what we've done over the course of the past 14 months. And we've not been able to host people in the building because of COVID, um, which is to introduce again, completely free and accessible to anybody around the world, um, digital versions of basically all the different elements of our program. So, um, we have the 49ers EDU digital playbook, which is an interactive online version of the physical textbook that every child who comes to visit us in person would normally get. We introduced that around April of last year. And then we, we chose about 12 of the most popular lessons that we teach from within that, that 
textbook and we created YouTube kind of educational accompanying videos to go along with those lessons for teachers to use to kind of get the subject a little bit more uh, context as they sit down and, and work on an activity on a computer, whether they be at home or at school. And then just recently, a couple of weeks ago, we launched the 49ers EDU virtual lesson series, which is where we actually, that that team that I was telling you about, um, myself and others, we actually zoom into a class during a school day, take an hour out of that class time and teach one of the lessons that I've been talking about. So all of that work um, has been geared at reaching and supporting educators and students in a distance learning environment that was forced upon all of us through coronavirus and also designed to be additive and supplementary to our work going forward once we can bring kids back into the building, which hopefully will be sooner rather than later. But it all goes to the democratization of the experience as you were kind of hinting at and to accessibility, which has always been the number one goal of our work is to reach kids furthest from resource and opportunity with the chance to participate in the work. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's definitely you know a really important piece of any sort of quality education uh, pro program is making sure that it's accessible for all members of society, especially those who are who who really need it. Um, and I, I and I think the work that you're doing to turn this program into a more virtual context, you know, unfortunately we have to. That's the re the realities that we're living in today, and ho hopefully not for you know too too much longer. But it, it, it's definitely going to be an aspect of uh, all of our lives: education, work, um, physical activity, anything moving forward. You know, virtual is definitely going to be here to stay. So I, I think having that aspect is definitely um, you know, really, really important. So uh, moving on, um, in, in what ways do you find that sport can contribute to STEAM learning? Well, I think there, it's, I would approach that question two ways. The first is to literally look at the elements of sport that comprise the game, right? So jerseys, broadcast equipment, measuring and painting a field, tracking statistics, you know, and I'm just, I could go on and on and on about these things, right? I just chose four or five as an example. Um, but each one of those things, those cornerstone elements of any sport, any professional sport at least, is fertile ground for STEAM learning, right? Um, just take jerseys, for example, right? Take, take a, a kit from a 1950s Chelsea side and compare it to a kit from a 2020 Chelsea side and actually have a child look at those two things and ideally touch them, right? Feel them um, and understand how different they are and then explain to them that engineers and scientists are the people that allow that change to happen and get them to think about how change is slow and consistent and perpetual. And so you've just taken something that sounds as simple as a jersey and you've, you've created a, a complete Petri dish 
pardon the analogy, for a science mm-hmm. learning opportunity, right? So, and you can do that. If you think of this perspective, if you think as a teacher and you walk into an American football match or a, or a soccer match or a baseball game or, or whatever, or a cricket stadium, you can immediately find all these things that are just perfect ways to teach kids about really important concepts by introducing it through the lens of sport. So that's the first part, right? So how does sport play into learning? It literally provides content. And the second thing is that, and I kind of hinted at this before, even if young people don't like to play sports, don't uh, have a ton of experience engaging in them, they know what they are. They understand the cultural relevance of sport in a general sense, right? They know that lots of their friends play. They know their parents probably have some kind of affiliation. They they have seen them played. They play video games that are about sports that are played around the world. So what's really important when you're trying to reach a kid that doesn't see an importance or a relevance in a subject like math or science, one of the most important things you can do is immediately break it down as far as something that's relatable. And a lot of times for kids, lab coats and beakers are not relatable. Like these ideas on how um, engineering and science and and these really, in technology, these subjects are, are portrayed are not accessible to them. But when you introduce it through something as primal in a way and basic as sport, uh, you have a different way in. So I think that's kind of two ways I, I would answer the question of how uh, sport can contribute to learning. And for us, each one, each one is, is equally important and provides a different way to approach our work. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, I, I think we've talked quite a bit about how sport um, you know, really helps people connect with the, the, subject, ma- the subject matter. Um, and, and, and then as you, as you were saying that even if you don't play sports, everyone knows about sports. And I think it's applicable in, you know, every different culture around the world, like every culture has sports. Um, so, so you can use it in a whole bunch of different settings and, and, and in different um, learning, learning areas. Do you have any tips for how teachers can add a little sport into their classrooms for any subject? Yeah, I do. Uh, I think, and the first thing I'll say is kind of a disclaimer, is that everything that I've just said about sports being uh, a fundamentally effective and important way to reach kids, it may not necessarily be the right thing. Um, You asked me about EDU Academy earlier, and I'll just briefly mention that EDU Academy is the uh, consulting for-profit business arm that we established through the 49ers organization to help other organizations create STEAM and sports learning programs. We've been doing this since 2017. We've worked with organizations all around the world to help design and implement programs similar to ours. Um, and the reason I made that slight detour in answering your question is because one of the groups that, that we worked with through EDU Academy was the U.S. State Department. And the U.S. State Department, um, I'll save you the backstory, but they they knew about 49ers EDU. 
and they received a a request from uh, an embassy in Fiji of all places that the, the Fijian government had identified STEAM learning as being very important for young people and had further identified sport as the way to engage young people in this learning. And so I essentially got got asked to go on behalf of the United States to Fiji and to design and implement a teacher training session for a couple of days to get teachers to think about the exact question that you just asked me um, and then go into the field for four or five days and show teachers what this kind of engagement could look like. I, I give that backstory and an example because in that teaching session, I did what I always do when I get a question like this, which is to ask and tell instructors that what you need to do to most inspire your young people to engage with your content is related to them. So tell me, Fijian teachers, what things in the sports world are they most connected to? Meaning what sports do they play or what do they know? And what things outside of the sports world are they most connected to in this culture? And I, I found this, I learned this really fascinating thing, which is about the sugarcane industry in Fiji, which is the number two um, most important industry as far as Fiji's economy. Exports and processes an inordinate amount of sugarcane. And, and a lot of these kids that I was working with, because they were coming from areas that were furthest from resource and opportunity, their parents were working in the sugarcane fields. They were working in the sugarcane fields. They were coming to understand how important it was to their economy and how this actually worked. And so one of the things that we talked about in that room was, and they then told me that American football means nothing to kids in Fiji, as you might imagine. Uh, rugby does and volleyball does and a couple of other sports. Um, so the discussion that we had was, okay, forget about American football. It's not about that. It's about volleyball. It's about these things. Now here's the same, we can cover the same physics principles, we can cover the same material science principles, we can cover the same geometry and basic mathematics principles via volleyball as we can via football. But what you may be better off doing as an instructor is start to think about how can you use the sugarcane industry to teach kids? Think about how the product goes from a seed to, to being harvested. How does it go from being harvested to being processed? How does it get shipped? How does it get accounted for? How does that affect the economy? And what does, sorry, my, my uh, best friend, Buster Lovejoy just made an entrance. He's my, my big dog. You might hear my little dog here in a second. So hi, everybody out there, meet Buster. Um, so if you can identify something like that, you may be as successful as you would be building a curriculum around sport. The most important thing is to be connected and ask the questions. So I did get a ton of, you know, uh, um, ideation from teachers around um, particularly track and field and volleyball with sports. But we also talked more about gardening, harvesting, um, hydroponics and things that were becoming really interesting to kids there. So that's just a way to kind of a slight offshoot of your question. But really something that's important to me when I talk to educators is to, to put yourself in the minds of your students and your community and what what things surround them, what things are unique to their experience that are different from other people that you know they'll have some kind of a, a connection to or an emotional response to. Yeah, I think um, that's something that I, I think about a lot as well as as, uh, as a policymaker. Um, you know, we 
policies and you know programs and everything that needs to reflect the needs of the community so understanding what the community is thinking understanding what the community wants understanding what the community needs th- those are those that's really important for developing any sort of policy program initiative um, project for whether government private sector nonprofit sector um, and I, I think you you know in your answer here you also talk you know start hinting at you know uh, sport diplomacy and and, and education diplomacy as well and i think that's another interesting topic that i also want to eventually have on this on this podcast um so but but yeah i i think that this was a really great conversation jesse thank you so much for uh joining me today um do you have any final words that you'd like to share with um with the listeners no i want to I want to thank you again, David, for having me. Um, I, I guess I would just share that if anybody out there um, is interested in, in continuing this conversation, if you're an educator who who wants to be inspired to include sports in your curriculum, if you're an organization that is curious about how to build a program, um, you can find me at Jesse Lovejoy number one on Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, I don't know, David, how you'll be promoting or distributing this, but hopefully there's a way for us to kind of co-promote that in a way where folks might see it. Uh, because at the end of the day, I know when I speak for um, our ownership and I speak for our partners, the, the goal with us is how do we port the work? How do we how do we continue to democratize it and make it accessible and allow people around the world to learn from it so that other students are given the opportunity to engage with it. So I hope that I get a chance to do that um, with anybody out there who's listening and, and who's interested. Definitely. And I will, um, you know, also link to the uh, 49ers EDU uh, uh, website in the program, in the podcast description. Um, Great. And also do your, put your Twitter there as well. Um, but yeah, th- th- thank you again so much, Jesse. It's been a really great conversation and, and I really appreciate having you. Oh, no, it's my pleasure, David. Keep up the good work. Good luck. And uh, you know where to find me.